RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Well, it was back on the 23rd of May that we first talked to John Carapiet of GE Free New Zealand. We thought it was time to get him back on RCR to uh, kind of get his updated thoughts on some of the issues that have moved a bit. So, John, welcome back to Reality Check Radio. Nice to see you again. Nice to hear from you again. Hi, Paul. Okay, we'll get on to GE stuff in just a moment with uh, comments made recently in an interview that um, our own Peter Williams did with Judith Collins. I want to get your reaction to that because we're going into an election. Policies are forming up and there does seem to be a call for more um, GE research, experimentation, etc. First of all, your reaction to the passing of the therapeutic products bill? Well, I think a lot of people would be very, very disappointed or even shocked that after years of campaigning against it, and and it's not the first time governments have tried to get this across the line, um, our government has done it. And um, the only thing, I've talked to a few people recently who said, you know, they've been absolutely astonished and shocked and dismayed that there could be this ongoing threat to people's access to, to natural medicines. And all I can say in in comfort is the fight isn't over. Just because they've passed legislation does not mean that people and the, the public will sit willingly and have access denied in the future. So until the, the fat lady sings, as the saying goes, mm, yeah. I think there's always um, a need to continue to push back at these sort of potential limitations. Now, you know, I'm sure Labour and the Greens and other parties that supported it might say, well, you know, we're not planning to stop access. We're just trying to regulate the, all these things, you know, for the public interest. Well, that may be the case. It may not be the case. But either way, it's a bit like the GE debate. You know, in a way, it's never over. It was over. We've got regulations in place in New Zealand, but now they're saying they don't want those regulations. They're too hard for genetic engineering. And in a converse way, they might say, well, you mustn't have these medicines because of whatever reason they might decide in the future and the and the, and the regulator will decide that. But we say, well, no, sorry, and we push back. So that's the only hope I can offer on that one. But it, yeah, very disappointing that the public's concerns um, didn't stop the bill. Well, there were huge um, a number of submissions um, against the bill, and I think um, and that broke down to six thousand submissions that were really from people who really knew their stuff. Sixteen thousand all up, and the majority of those against the the bill going through. So it just shows you, even when you've got <laughs> got the numbers and um, those people submitting. On that side of it, way outnumbered any on the other side. It's they they don't listen. They they kind of don't listen. Well, sometimes you know, like you know, in, you know, jumping to the GE debate. One of the things that I've really noticed is that you know, whatever the narrative, whatever the demand that um, industry can make to implement and introduce GE. As long as the market can speak, and in in, in, the, in the case of GE or GMO food, the market has spoken, and there's really a, a, not a lot of demand for it. In fact, quite the opposite. So, you know, you know, even if National want to push ahead with biotech and think it will be a boon to the economy, we also know that what's also been a boon to the economy is non-GE um, food, GE-free food, which has been the backbone of our exports. So there's a kind of like a a conflict between those two aims. If if National want to 
boost our economy, but our economy is reliant on exports of G-free food and healthy natural food, that tension needs to be managed. And let's face it. Okay, Judith Collins, I'm going to hear from her in just a moment. She's been around for a while and she's done all sorts of uh, roles, the government, being the police minister and all that sort of stuff. Crusher Collins. What do these politicians know about any of this? They came down basically in the last shower of knowledge, didn't they? Really? It's an interesting one. There's some research out today um, by Plant and Food looking at the public not knowing a lot about GM food. And, you know, and, and, you know, in the past, there probably was a bit more knowledge and awareness. But um, I mean, I don't think one can criticise the politicians for doing what they're best at, which is to articulate some policy that they've probably had a little hand in, in pulling it together. And they're certainly arguing from a basis of, of it's rude to say ignorance, but a lack of full knowledge about um, about the market, actually. I really do think some of our scientists have got it wrong in terms of the, the consumer sentiment. And I think the politicians are getting it wrong. I mean, I think Judith's one of her comments was, you know, that it's not going to be uh, mandatory or compulsory. Well, if they stop labelling and stop regulating gene-edited products, which is what the proposal of the National Party is, and the proposal in some parts of Europe and, and other countries have already pushed them in that direction, if you don't regulate it and you don't label it, it is kind of compulsory, or at least there's no choice to avoid it, both yeah. for growers and for consumers and for producers and exporters. Okay, well, let's have a listen to what she told Peter Williams, and then I'll get some uh, comment uh, from you about your reaction to it. So we'll do that now. How much has uh, the current policy held New Zealand back, do you think, in the last 20 years, two decades, since the Helen Clark days? It is 20 years, and you will well remember that interview with John Campbell um, and that gotcha job on Helen Clark during the 2002 election uh, it was around that time, and uh, about some corn from the United States that might have been genetically modified. Uh, it, re- it created an enormous storm, but at the same time, uh, there was very little sense that came out of it, other than New Zealand got held back but for 20 years. And and what we've done in the meantime, what's happened in the meantime, is that the technology and the science has moved on so significantly that it's no longer about crossing tomatoes with oranges. It's actually more of tweaking a particular gene uh, to make it either drought resistant or able to uh, not be attacked by um, insects or pesticides, all those sorts of things. And what we're seeing now is work going on uh, curing cancer, um, actually having better results around methane emissions for you know the climate change commitments that we've been signed up to over the years. Um, these are all science innovations that New Zealand scientists can do in the lab, but that's it. Okay, John, you just heard um, she sort of pulled it all together, <laughs> all the, uh, what do you call it, the touch points um, and the talking points, though I imagine that each of those talking points have their own particular arguments and uh, issues that they're not all, you know, all the same. So what's your reaction to what she had to say there? I I think there's some really good intentions behind both the scientists and even in industry and even in academia and even in political circles 
to try and do the right thing. And, and you know, and, and if you're told that the narrative that 20 years has changed everything and now it's a different world and we've got technology that's much more advanced, well, that may be true, but the receiving environment hasn't changed. And when I say the receiving environment, I mean nature and you know, farming environments, obviously, you know, um, natural systems. You could also argue that that, that 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 receiving environment is the market, the consumer market. And as I say, you know, in 20 years, what's really held us back or rather held the biotechnology industry back is the, the lack of demand. And in fact, the rejection of of those kind of interventions um, into food production. There's, the, the, as I say, the latest report actually shows people do support other kind of interventions like robotics and contained controlled farming, which I think actually sounds quite positive because obviously the, the, the research on people's attitudes to GMOs was saying, well, people want them controlled. And in fact, they identified, this is today's research on the radio, national radio this morning. No, they identified that actually the least appealing, the highest rejected technology innovation was gene editing, um, with most people rejecting it. So, Well, that's because people are suspicious. People are naturally suspicious because ah, and, you're, and go- thank you you're for going that. to the absolute you know, cellular level of life and people aren't confident fooling around there. And, and you know, the scientific argument is, well, they're foolish to be worried because we know so much more. We do know so much more. And we can maybe talk about what we know more about and how we maybe could test these products better to be reassuring of people that they are safe for the for people in the environment. But, you know, just picking up on what you were just saying, I thought it was interesting that, you know, that Judith took us back to the Helen Clark John Campbell battle and Helen Clark being chased around by a tin of sweet corn from what he's labeled GMOs and, and all of that stuff, because there's lessons to be learned even from that one debacle. And that was because there hadn't been transparency. We have we had and have a zero tolerance for GE contamination in, in seed. And that's quite important, not just for our exports, but we also produce seed in New Zealand for the other parts of the world. So to keep that seed purity and integrity of that supply was really important. So that Corngate saga was quite, even though it was only a little bit of contamination, maybe, it was it was partly about the lack of transparency around it, the fact that they had to try to hide it. Not that it just happened. Um, so that lack of transparency did reverberate. Judith is absolutely right through history, both in New Zealand, but also internationally. And so this the importance of traceability, of pre-market safety testing and labelling to allow consumer choice has become this kind of like um, licence to operate for the biotech industry and the GE industry and the GMO industry to get away with introducing their products with societal acceptance, because at least people would have the choice and people wouldn't be forced to grow it or, or whatever. Now, what we've seen is that overseas where that, that, that Clayton's choice was, has been offered up the, um, the contamination incidents of GE contaminating non-GE and organic crops on exports being lost because the, the, the product's been found to be contaminated. All of these things are real. Um, and New Zealand has ironically avoided them because we've had these strict rules. We've not only th- thrived in our exports of GE-free products, which other markets were starting to demand, but we've also avoided the problems that they've had overseas. So there's a bit of a naivety in New Zealand because as this study released today by Plant and Food said, 
People don't know a lot about it. And people do know that we haven't had the challenge. We haven't had the problems of dealing with coexistence, of dealing with contamination, of dealing with um, a food recall, because we've had these good regulations in place, which has kind of restricted it. Now, the most recent thing that I guess to 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 to, to do this other points, this methane story, because if you look at the national party's plan for biotechnology again it, you know it's a road paved with good intentions you know how do we co- combat climate change how do we improve health science and how do we get the best economic growth you know ship more food overseas sell more overseas on the first one we know how to do the climate change action and and one of the problems is that GE isn't the only answer, but that's the only answer being put on the table, certainly by Fed farmers and 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 the industry here to say, well, we're not going to do anything more than what we're doing. We're going to wait for magic GE ryegrass to allow us to continue overstocking and over intensifying our agriculture. But meanwhile, we know when I say we, the scientists know and industry know that mixed forage will do the very thing yeah. that GE ryegrass has been developed to do. And in fact, there's actually existing ordinary ryegrasses being developed or have been developed that do the very thing that the GE ryegrass that Judith and 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 promoters of GMOs say we forced it overseas by our rules and we've made them go to America to try it. We've made them go to Australia to try it. If only we could have done it here. Well, let's have a reality check. Excuse the pun, but a. About three weeks ago, there was a big article in Newsroom. It's entitled, if you if you Googled Newsroom, the grass is not greener, you'll find this article that did a, a little bit of an expose on the, on the ryegrass story because the GE ryegrass application in Australia, now don't forget, this is under the regulatory systems in Australia that National want us to copy, has actually, well, hasn't actually stopped it. But the application has been withdrawn because the regulator identified a suspected um, allergy, allergen in the pollen of the ryegrass. So they wanted more research. So that ryegrass field trial has been withdrawn until they fix up that problem. But the, the, the good news is that the regulator did spot the potential problem. Um, in the past, we've seen products like Starlink corn, which was a GE corn, launched the market, and they only found out it had an allergen after they launched it, <laughs> right. they had to withdraw it, and it cost about a billion dollars to pull back this corn that had been launched. And and you know, and, and in for, for gene editing, we've seen a more recent story with the hornless cows that I think we talked about last time that were launched to market, gene edited, hornless cows, great fanfare. And then they found out after they were launched that they had these unexpected and, un, un, and unwanted genetic sequences from other organisms in them, and they had to withdraw it and get rid of them. So things do go wrong. And the ryegrass has kind of gone wrong because it's taken millions of dollars to try and get to this point. As far as we can tell, in all these years, it's over a decade, not one animal has actually eaten the stuff. They've never actually tried it on an animal. It's all in vitro and in small trials. And in, and, and, that, and it's really worth looking at that newsroom article because it tells you that the American trials barely worked and they had to be kind of basically carefully nurtured and spaced in pots and they couldn't be grown, not because they couldn't be grown outside legally, they couldn't grow successfully outside. So the Australian trials have also now come to a bit of a pause because of an allergy suspect. And as I say, the alternatives have always always 
been, not always, but have been on the table for about five, 10 years, the mixed forage, restocking levels for farming, um, a whole lot of things that we can do now that don't involve GE. So so for that argument, the climate change argument, I think, you know, a score out of 10 for, for nationals, you know, accuracy or, you know, Likelihood of meeting the objective by by only waiting for GE ryegrass is a very low score. In the health science area, I think it's much more in mainline public opinion that, of course, there's good things. I mean, I'm not against genetic engineering, by the way. I'm I'm arguing for caution and regulation and the option to to for better options to be applied before genetic engineering is 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 rushed to market. But in terms of medicine, I think most people in, in certainly surveys I've seen support the idea of ethical science and ethical medicine in containment. And the government has announced a review of just to make sure that our good regulations, our strict regulations in New Zealand are not stopping important medicine from happening because they've had people in, in academia and in the medical world saying that. And Judith's repeated it, you know, the, the cure for cancer. Yeah, I just, I was going to bring. Stopped, and I agree. If I was going to bring. I was going to bring that up. Do you think New Zealand is going to come up with the cure for cancer? Do you, well, I mean, you have to go back to Judith and the, the advisors from her scientific team. I certainly think there's a lot of good work being done. Yeah, but hey, come on. We're New Zealand. We're well, only a little country. Unless yeah. we've got some Einstein sitting around that the world doesn't have. We have. have. Look, we've got brilliant scientists. I'm pro-scientists. I'm pro-farmers. Uh, I'm not, yeah, but I mean, I don't one think of the, we should knock the farmers. You can easily say cure for cancer. But, yeah. but saying that is easy. <laughs> well, no, it's nonsensical. Well, it's, when you're trying to it sell it to someone, like, it's, it's glib. A promise. It, it's it's glib. glib. It's a promise. It's a promise that uh, rings people's emotional bells. And, of course, I'm one of those people, and I agree. But, of course, it's not true. There's an element of truth. Research is advancing, and that's why the government's done this review, and that's why I think most people will support it. If it's ethical, if it's not changing the human species, if it's not forcing people to have medical in interventions, then well, uh -huh. you know, that review might be a good thing. I guess the, the flip side of that is the reason why I mention it, though, is because national and other parties like ACT are always conflating the medicine and the environmental use. They actually say people were okay to take the GE vaccine, so why aren't they okay to have GE food? And and I think it's obvious. Well, they didn't know. Actually, they didn't. a lot of them didn't know. Of course. And that's so this why is, they didn't know about why it's food, dangerous. So they have the choice. This, this is why it's dangerous. Okay, and the other things that were rattled off there, you know, I, and I think you sort of touched on that with the um, GE ryegrass, the food um, gene editing that can be done on food to stop emissions from animals. Well, good luck undoing the entire evolutionary process of bovine species in the world for about the last million years. And if you think you can fiddle around with that to any success, I think you're dreaming. And in the end, the difference you make here in New Zealand can't even be measured. So what's the point? Well, actually, there are some good points to the alternatives to what that... Oh, no, the alternatives are fine because they're doable. Well, not, not, not only are they doable, they bring other benefits. That's the point. Organic and agroecological farming would, would, would sequester carbon, would make the food much more enriched with nutrients, would take away the pesticides and poisons that we well, know. That, yeah, those are all benefits. Exactly. But, uh, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that the, 
we know the solutions to, to, to actually make a move to more sustainable agriculture. Gene science to inform that knowledge, like mo- using marker-assisted breeding to identify a sheep and a ram that's got natural resistance. It's, it's over the top. Very acceptable. It's, it's kind of over the top compared to, well, oh, well it's well, so, already... Well, 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 the reason why I'm commenting is because you said... You know, we can't change the evolution of, of you know of the cows to fix up their burping and farting. Well, I do agree with you that well, in fact, scientists would say no, we can do that, and that's the issue, I guess. But we can work with the grain of nature, and the scientists no, are showing us that. I'm talking about feed. gene editing. I'm talking about getting into a lab and editing genes and creating basically customized species of of beast. Is yeah. really what we're talking about. And and the, and the argument is that we're just continuing what we've always done. We've bred them before, and now we can gene edit them before. But I guess the point is, it's not just the animal; it's the system in which they're operating. And our farming systems are in trouble. Yeah. Our farmers are in trouble, and they're not being offered the alternatives to GE. GE is very much a continuation of 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 business as usual. Here's the ryegrass. Here's the monoculture. Here's the chemicals that go with it. And 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 it's not just the farmers, but the consumers all over the world are saying, "Well, actually, I want more organic, and I want more natural." Yeah. And a more sustainable agriculture, and GE may inform that through ethical research in the lab. But it's certainly the products of GE are probably not the answer to that. In fact, they're definitely not the answer because they put at risk the natural options and technology of not technologies, the natural interventions we can make that could be threatened by GE. And obviously, the, the mission lo- is to take over the lobbying that's gone on, reflective in what Judith Collins had to say. Obviously, she's. Unless she's, we missed something, and she's a a GE genius, and we didn't know about it. That is lobby talk and and um, talking points, um, you know. And that's that's all that is. Um, are you worried that if because it looks like there could be a change of government, are you worried that this could be wholesale foot to the floor? We've had enough of the handbrakes trying to stop us. And it'll, it'll be fully unleashed GE. I think that's the narrative. That's what's being said. I think is extremely unlikely because um, only a fool would not see there's a huge economic value to protecting organic and GE-free production, even if they want to ignore the public in New Zealand. The public overseas who buy our products, are, you know, the consumers of brand New Zealand, are, are really clear. I think I mentioned to you 80% yep. of UK people yep. surveyed want gene editing labelled and regulated. The, the survey I mentioned earlier today here in New Zealand said that you now the majority of people don't want gene edited food in New Zealand. Now that's a bit of a pushback to the industry international pushing it. And, you know, the debate around boosting our economic growth has to be really expanded. I mean, the, the Productivity Commission really did a light-handed once-over look and did a big report that the chief scientist now is citing to say, well, look, you know, the Productivity Commission said we've got to do this. Well, the Productivity Commission had basically gone to the industry and said, what should we do? And they said, we've got to do this. It's a circular sort of circular. So no one really done the evaluation of what is the value of GE. They're feeding off each other. They're creating something out of nothing almost. There was, well, they're certainly backing each other up, but there was a very interesting um, report in the, this is from the letter of the chief scientist to the prime minister about a month or two ago. So slightly before National came out with its plan. And in in the report, it cites one um, research report 
by the food and fiber sector. Now, it was really interesting because it gave for the first time, I've never seen this, it gave a percentage premium for G3 for food and fiber. Yeah. It had two big studies cited. One was, I think, a meta-analysis of 25 studies. The premiums, I think, were off the top of my head, I might even find them if I can. I think the premium was in one study, something like 25% for non-GM food. Right. And the other premium, oh, here it is. And the other premium was um, something like, uh, one was 29% and the other one was 45%. Wow. Okay. 45% premium. Now compare this with what I've heard poor old... um, um, Chris uh, Luxon, when he was announcing this on television with Jack Tame and had this big kind of argument about the precautionary approach protecting our G-free exports, he said it's only worth a 5% premium and that's going to go down. Well, I'd say definitely from this evidence, it's worth much more than a 5% premium. And given the ongoing demand for more natural safe food in a world that's under increasing pressure, um, I think the premium is going to go up. So, the, the the question on the table, really, apart from the right to choose, which National is saying it will take away by not regulating gene edited new breeding techniques and not labeling them, um, even though the consumer wants it. On top of that, there's the economic argument. And I think that there won't be any wholesale release. I think the markets are stopping this. It's not the regulations that are stopping right. this in New Zealand. Yeah. But the, I think the gold standard has to be as a wake up call, MIMBY who under national are supposed to be in charge of all this regulation in the future. And and then, and they're driven by commercialization, not by environmental protection or consumer protection. But MIMBY um, sort of like came out a few years ago with a big report and they said, impossible Berg, it's a big threat to us. And, and kind of, you know, it's time for New Zealand to copy them. And there was a senior scientist um, from New Zealand who who published a commentary about why we should follow, you know, listen to National and, and go down that route. He said, oh, he wanted to see New Zealanders growing GM soy so they could join the other burgers around the world and sell GM soy burgers. Now, why would we want to be like the other burgers, like Impossible Burger, when we've got a whole lot of brands that are non-GMO, which is what consumers want? And the irony of all of this is that Impossible Burger has two GM ingredients. It's got a little bit of GM heme that's made in the vats, which makes it bleed like blood. And it's got a lot of GM soy. And then if people know about GM soy, it's usually heavily sprayed with Roundup. It's been linked to deforestation in in, in the Amazon and other places, is usually ending up given to animals for animal feed. But the American Impossible Burger Company was very proud and they wanted to push the GM soy and the GE. But when they came to New Zealand, they did a very good thing, in my view. They stopped using the GM soy because the GM soy is very destructive and people don't want it and they would have to label it. And so uh, by, by getting rid of the GM soy as their main ingredient, and they actually test every batch now when it comes into New Zealand, they test it to not be contaminated by GM soy. They've aligned with the New Zealand market because, as I say, all the brands here and, and your soy latte milk is GMO free. And they, and, and they would largely be that in the UK, in Japan and in most of the markets where the, the, where the consumer has got the wherewithal to to say we don't want it. And that's really what the writing's on the wall. If we go down the GE route, we've got to track it. We've got to trace it to protect our growers. We've got to label it to protect consumer right to choose. And those basic fundamentals and and holding liable the users of GMOs, that's not in National's plan. And it's got to be.
seems that people are very influenced by shiny things. I think people are getting to know that shiny things have also got downsides. And, and that's all we're talking about here. But we're talking about neg- you know, GE exists. It's not going to go yeah. away. It's about how you apply it ethically and in a smart way to benefit New Zealand and the environment. And as I said to you, I mean, I wasn't trying to become an advocate for the biotechnology industry, but I'm not against them. It's about where science meets society. And at the end of the day, if national deregulate gene edited, you know, new breeding techniques, new genomic techniques, and not label them and not trace them in their policy, they say they will label GMO food, which yeah. they will because they're defining GMO food as the old stuff that is already labeled. Yeah. What they're not saying is they won't label GE food, the gene edited food. Right. And that's a real big issue. I think they're on the wrong side of history. Okay, John Carapiat, good to chat again. And it uh, won't be the last. We'll, we'll catch up again some other time. Cheers. Go kidana. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.